Hello, welcome to the Edge of the Box season preview by whoscored.com. We've got seven shows coming up before the season gets underway. We're going to look at seven teams. The first one we're going to start with today is Arsenal. So this is an Arsenal-specific preview. I'm joined by Julian Laurent's broadcast legend. Everybody wants him on their show and we've got him <laughs> today. Julian, just want to explain your your relationship with Arsenal a little bit because obviously we've chosen you. Going back quite a long time, um, when I moved over here uh, in London, it was the 0304 season, so the Invincible. There was a lot of French players there. I mean, we say in France that Arsenal are a bit like a French club, to be fair, since the Arsene Wenger years. And obviously, you know, for the people who know uh, my wife and the family, uh, she works for the club as well. So we we are heavily Arsenal, you know, family. Kind of, kind of house, uh, and and there's a lot of people I know there, of course, players and and staff members, etc., etc. And it's a club that not only I like, but also I follow very, very closely. Let's start with a brief look at, at last season, top of the league for for a high percentage of the season. Fell away, obviously, a little bit at the mm. end, but they were up against a, a machine in, in Manchester City. Despite the fact that they they went from first to second and finished the season second, do you look back at it and say, that's still a, a really successful season? And, and the biggest thing, I guess, is that's massive progress from the year before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the most important for Arteta and the players and the club was that they wanted to, to see progress individually for some players to, to just get to the next level. And I think we saw that even for someone like Bukayo Saka, who was already very good before, but had an incredible season. Same with Martinelli, same with Odegaard, just to name those three. But Ramsdale too, for example, even White. Uh, but also collectively, and, and in the way Arsenal played, with the ball, without the ball, you clearly saw a lot of improvement, a lot of progress from, from last season compared to the season before. And of course, it's disappointing when you lead for so long not to win it. And I think everybody expected at some point Arsenal to drop some points, which is fine because... because all this kind of scenario was new to them. They just needed City also to lose points and to draw points. The problem was, as you said, City were a machine towards the end of the season. They, they are, they, with the treble, they, they, they might well be the greatest team in Premier League history, full stop, certainly the greatest manager. So it was always going to be difficult. In the end, I don't think there's any shame to be beaten by this Man City team, by a Pep Guardiola team like that with Erling Haaland leading the line. Uh, it's just that it felt, I think he feels a little bit better because Arsenal led for so long. But again, I think it was it was a big improvement. And now, in a way, this season coming up is even more important because it's not just that you want to keep improving, it's that you need to confirm what you did so well in the previous season. Yeah, it was last season the kind of first season that we've seen a team that's fully in the Mikel Arteta mould, do you think? Yeah, completely. If you remember when he when he took over, they, they played with the three at the back. I think he felt like in the short term he had to do something a little bit different to what he was what he wanted to do, which is you know a lot of what let's say Pep Guardiola is doing, for example. Uh, so we saw different things from from Arsenal under him, and then I think when he got the squad that he wanted or close to it, when he got rid of the players that he wanted to get rid of. Then, then slowly you started to see, even the season before that, when they finished fifth, when they narrowly lost to Spurs for the, the fourth place and the Champions League, you, you, kind of, you saw already a little bit of what he was doing. But last season was, the, was certainly the best, the best example in terms of pressing and counter-pressing, the intensity they played with, the way they started games, 
most for most of the season and most of them, the way they defended on the front foot, very high line. It cost them at times, of course, but it was also very successful. And then, and then, as we said before, to improve that way collectively and individually, as well as playing the way that Arteta wants them to play. And trust me, a lot of the drills, the training are just made for that, made to 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 almost engrave all those principles into the players' minds individually and collectively. They've worked really hard and it was good to see during matches what they were practicing at training. And now again, they need to step up even more to keep the progress, but also be better than what they were last season. At this time last year, we were saying that Arsenal have had a good summer here. They've brought in two high-level players from Manchester City. They're building a young team. Perhaps this is the year they challenged to get a top four place, obviously, they surpassed that. 12 months on, I think they've had another brilliant summer. They've made three really high-level signings and not even bigger, but another massive thing for the club, Julian, is that they're getting their, these players tied down to long-term contracts as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think the extensions are, in a way, maybe almost as big and as important as the new signings to have Bukayo Saka signing a new deal, Aaron Ramsdale, William Saliba, which was not easy, yeah. which was maybe the one that dragged on for for too long. You know, I think Martin Odegaard is probably the next one as well. On top of Kai Harvard, Declan Rice, of course, which who is the uh, the re- the one that they really really wanted, and then Jerry and Timber. It's, this is all good because you keep the core of that team with more experience and you said it was a really young team it was the youngest team in the league last season you kept that you brought some experience you brought some really talented players some versatility defensively offensively you've you know you've got that even in midfield I'm, I'm convinced that they can rise is probably almost could be as good as an eight that is as a six in a double pivot in the midfield three I think he can can really do everything um, so you've, you've brought all that quality while keeping the quality that you've had before. And again, you can expect Bukayo Saka to be better next season because that's the, that's, that's the way things go, usually with those kind of players. Same with Odegaard, same with Martinelli. If Gabriel Jesus stays fit, if Zinchenko stays fit, if Saliba stays fit, then suddenly with all the, um, the quality that you have in the depth in your squads, everything becomes even more interesting from an Arsenal point of view. Yeah, that depth's crept up now as well. I said to you before, before we came on, when you've had a good season and you're heading in the right direction, the last thing you go and do is buy five and six players. That That's not how you build. What they've done so far by bringing in the three that they've done is they've brought in extra bits of quality, but they've also made the squad bigger because, you know, Xhaka's gone. Essentially, we expect Havertz to, to, to replace Xhaka. Yeah. You've then got Rice and Timber, who are who are new additions. That that squad is now stronger by two than, than, than what it was last season. And it's two pieces of, of absolute quality in there. At the moment, Balogun's still there as mm. well. Smith Rowe had a lot of the season injured. You'd expect Fabio Vieira to be better this season after having a season of, of getting used to Premier League football. So suddenly you look at that Arsenal squad and I would say that's a very strong squad. Yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with you on the signings, on the the, the numbers of signings too, mm. because unless you sign players who are just for one position, which of course some are, like uh, Ellen Haaland, for example, can only play in one position, then maybe you need a bit more because you need, I want my right back and I want a centre back. and I want. But if you have players like Kai Havers who can almost play anywhere in your front three, plus also as a second striker, but maybe also in midfield, which is what Arteta is going to try to do with him. He's going to try to make him into that number eight. In Germany, they, they've always kind of compared him to Mikhail Balak. Or not, maybe not compared, but 
the, the, there's always been a thought in Germany that he had all the attributes to be a bit like Balak, to play as an eight and to be that kind of box-to-box engine with the technical ability. Balak was a very technical player too to play yeah. in that position. And I think this is the idea that Arteta has. If it works, it's great. If it doesn't work, then we can be a bit more critical later down the, the line and later down the season. But but if you have the versatility of Timber, like he played left-back against... Barcelona, for example, he can play right back, he can play as a six, he can play centre back. Harvest, we've just said, and right before, then suddenly you're right, you only need three. And we were talking about Villa before, and you will have a, a preview on them anyway, but it's, it's, quite, it's quite similar too. And I, I expect Newcastle to be like that. I expect United to be like that. Three yeah. signings, probably not more. And for Arsenal, I think that was always the idea. Of course, it cost them a lot of money, them three. That's fair enough. And you could have had six for the same amount of money, probably, but maybe not the. Not, maybe not the same kind of versatility and talent that the three that they signed. We look at Chelsea, who spent probably nearly exactly. a billion a billion pounds to to finish twelfth instead of third. So you know, sometimes yeah. buying a load of players d- doesn't work, does it? Let's talk a little. Let's talk a little bit about 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 Jury and Timber there. You, you you've just mentioned him. He's probably the signing I know the least about of of the three. You've just said his versatility is g- going to be massive. If he plays right back, for example. Is he, a, is he a step up from White, would you say, or are they about the same level? It was the same with Lissandro Martinez the summer before when, in the end, you know, Arsenal had Zinchenko and, and Martinez went to United. But I think, one, I think Arteta loves the kind of Ajax mentality and the Ajax philosophy. And, you know, if you get a Timber or Lissandro Martinez, I mean, Timber even more, but Martinez even joining later down his career still had those principles in him of playing out from the back, all that kind of movement, all the intelligence that you that you need to play for Ajax from the youth teams to the first team. I think Arteta loves that. And I think for the way he wants to play, especially if you're a defender, he kind of felt this is this is good for us. And then if on top of that, he's a, he's a young player who can play in different positions. And again, I think I'm not even sure what Timber's best position is, really. And we might find out through the season if he's right back, if he's a, a right centre-back, if he's maybe a bit higher up on the pitch. I think there's an idea that with him, you can you can do a lot of things when you have the ball, for example. You play him right back and you can have Zinchenko coming inside as a as an inverted fullback, if you want, with Rice in midfield, for example, like we saw a lot of last season. And then Timber slots in and he's your third midfield. Is your third centre-back with Saliba and Gabriel, for example. You can play him and Saliba both as centre-backs. You can play him as right-back, but you don't have any inverted full-backs. He's just going up and down that right-hand side because Ajax, you know, you do that as well if you're a full-back for Ajax. He can also play, Zinchenko is not playing. He can also be the inverted full-back, starting from the left-hand side and play inside with Rice. He offers you so many different options and... Maybe he's not a starter straight away because you would, you would think that Arteta could keep the faith with White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. But you wouldn't be surprised if he still plays a lot because he's got all those options that he can bring and Arteta can say, OK, you know, we play, I don't know, let's say Villa this weekend and they've got Musa Diaby who's going to be on their left-hand side, our right-hand side, just, just for the sake of it. I fancy Timber one-on-one with 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 Moussa Diaby more than White you can put in there. You want more of the ball in a game away somewhere. So let's put Timber right back, but Zinchenko is up, so I will have him in midfield when we have the ball. All those things that you can't really do with White that maybe you can do with Timber. And same with centre-back. You can step in from centre-back into midfield more than Gabriel can, for example. So I think he's a, it's a very clever signing. And again, we could do the same with Rice and with Havertz. It, it is a clever signing because... 
when they lost Saliba at the back end of the season, and in fairness, Tommy Asu was out for a long time yeah. as well. I think he may have may have played games at, at that point had he had he been fit. They were lacking the the quality to bring in, and they they, they really fell away. But Timber just gives them that, that versatility across the across the back four, like you say, and with Tommy Asu coming back as as well, they suddenly just the defense look looks well set. Or Arsenal, if I had not not criticisms, but if there's two areas overall you, you thought Arsenal could, could strengthen, he's centre back one of them, and he's centre forward one of them. That the lack of that real twenty. 30 goal a season, man? Or do you think Jesus can be that man? So, I think it's a very interesting debate on the on the number nine position. I think in Arteta's mind, and a bit a bit like what we saw again, going back to City and Guardiola and the, the, the mentoring side of it, before Haaland, certainly, Arteta was, in a, was part of a City staff and a City team that really had was sharing the goals quite mm. a lot between the two wingers, whoever was the number nine or the fourth number nine, whoever was playing in midfield. It was this is new for them to have a Haaland with 36 Premier or 34 Premier League goals, whatever he had in the end. So I think in Arteta's mind, it would be great to have an Aussie man or maybe a Vlaovic or an Mbappe or a Kane or Haaland. Of course he would. In all the pieces of the jigsaw, I think for him the most important was not the nine because he knows that if you can get 15 goals from Saka, 15 from Martinelli, 15 from Jesus, 15 from Odegaard, 15 from Havertz, that's already a lot of goals. And I'm not saying that they're all going to yeah. score 15, but this is the idea. And we saw last season that that worked to a certain extent because, of course, they didn't win the title in the end. But we could not say that they liked goals last season. Really, of course, it would have been better if Jesus got to 30, but he was also injured. I, I think this is the idea for now. And they're going to think, we will share the goals. The danger can come from anywhere and you don't don't have just a focal point in a, in a big number nine like an Aussie man, for example. Instead, it's hard to pick up Jesus in terms of, of marking. It's hard to pick up Saka and Martinelli when they all move around. If you have that fluidity as well with Havertz, plus all the guard at the level that we saw last season, it's very difficult to defend against them. So I think this is very much the idea. And again, we will review the season at the end and maybe it would have been a mistake not to have gone and signed someone. But I think the priority were the three kind of players or positions or both that we mentioned before. And again, I, I don't think then they could have gone and spent another 100 million on a, on a striker that was not probably available anyway. And I think Arteta likes Jesus a lot and what he can bring to that team as a starter as well, which I think is very important in terms of leadership. It's the hardest position to get right in, in world football yeah. at the moment. To, to sort eight teams that want to sign a striker at the moment, like Manchester United, it's a struggle to, to get one through the door. It'd be interesting to see what does happen in the striker market in the rest of the summer. Let's talk a bit about, about Declan Rice, obviously the, the marquee signing of, of the summer. I think the, the biggest thing for me about the Declan Rice signing is 12 months ago, he's, he would not touch Arsenal, would he? He wouldn't go there. The fact that they've gone and been able to sign him shows the astounding progress they've had over 12 months. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I think the way Arteta sold him the project, in a way, and the, the discussion that they had, which I think kind of blew Declan's rice mind, also shows that this is, I think, a special manager. And I think he's got that kind of relationship with his squad and with his players, which is very important. I, I, find, I, I find Declan Rice completely underestimated in England. I don't know why. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. I just I just I don't think people realize how good he is, I think. And I'm yeah. not saying that he's gonna show it at Arsenal because he's gonna play in the Champions League, etc. 
I just think he's an incredible player. And really, people have slept on him in England in terms of recognition and appreciating him for what he did at West Ham in a team that, you know, had David Moses as a manager. Come on. And, and even with England, Gareth Southgate as a manager. I think I really expect Rice to fit so well in that team, to improve massively, to, to be a huge asset. And of course, you paid for it. And it's a, it's a premium price because he's an England international start, starter as well. Because there was a bit of a kind of a bidding war, let's put it that way, with City. I'm not sure exactly how much City really wanted him, but still, it doesn't matter. And I think, and, and I think for Arteta, it was really, again, in, the, in that big jigsaw, a very, very important piece that he felt he really needed to have. I agree with you on Rice. I think there's, there's more to his game than he's been able to show. In, in his yeah. career so far. And I think if you put him in a team like Arsenal that play football the way they do, I think you're going to see all those extra things that, that, that he offers. I, I actually think you'll see, I know he'll be playing as a six, but I actually think you'll see him pop up with more goals at Arsenal because they're, they're a more free-flowing team. I think people look at the price and say, oh, 100 million but because he's English. I don't think so. I think it's 100 million because he's a hell of a player and I think he'll yeah. fit perfectly with, with what Arsenal do, not only as a player, but as a person as, as well. Declan Rice comes across to me like, I've never met him, he comes across to me like such, such a good person. And I know Arteta yeah. puts a lot, of, a lot of credence on what someone is like as a person. And from that point of view, I think he'll fit in that dressing room straight away. And I also think he's got the character now, now to, to become a leader straight away, mm-hmm. Julian. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think just finally on his position and, and him on the pitch, I, I think his starting position would be much higher than what, just to go back to, to strengthen your point on what he did at West Ham, the, 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 the low block at West Ham for most of his time there won't, won't be that Arsenal. They're going to play such a high line and a high block. He will be, play, he be, he will be playing much more higher on the pitch when they have the ball, even when they don't have the ball because they're going to go and press really high, you would expect. So you're right, he's going to be in those positions to be able to score more goals than he did before. And then and then outside of the pitch, I, I, I think he's a leader. He's a born leader for me. And there's a difference being a leader at West Ham and being a leader in a Champions League team that is competing to win the, the, the Premier League and the, the Champions League, anything you want. But I think he can easily step up. And I, I think he's got... So there's some there's some charisma, there's great characteristics about him, about his character, and I think that's also very important, and that also why they signed him. I know you like your fantasy football. I, I think he might be worth a punt in fantasy yeah, football. I, agree, right. I, I, I don't think he's that expensive. I do think he'll pop up with goals. Uh, so, so this isn't a fantasy football podcast, but if you do play FPL, a little bit of <laughs> advice for you there from the person that finished <laughs> bottom of all his fantasy leagues last season. If you, if you want to if you, if you take it, I had an absolutely wretched season, but I'm going to come back stronger this season. That's a good piece of advice there, I would say. <laughs> Who do you think is going to be Arsenal's key man for the season, Julian? It's hard to say, I think, just because of the sharing duties, in a way we said sharing goals, sharing leadership, I think sharing importance in you. I think if Martin Odegaard can have this, the same season that he had, or, or as yeah, as good, or maybe even better, I wish him. Then last season, 15 goals, 10 assists. I think he was in the end, or something like that. Then, then, then I think he would be the key guy because he brings so much creativity. Every pressing and counter pressing starts with him. He's, the, the running is incredible. I think people and again overlook the the running that he does and all those kind of that data, data side of his game, which is very, very important. He's one of the most intelligent players that you've ever met. So I think for me, maybe of all those pieces in the jigsaw, Rice and Harvest and Jesus and the two wingers, 
plus the defense and Ramsdale also has a huge part to play, I think maybe Odegaard again would be the, the key man. Hell of a player, Odegaard, Te- technically. So, so good. He, his numbers last season, goals and assists, you know, goal contributions th- through the roof last season, Erdegaard. One of those captains that probably isn't the most vocal, but just leads yeah. by example with, with what he does on the pitch. He's, he's a hell of a player and someone I absolutely love watching. Is there a, is there a player who you, you think could be one to watch? Maybe one that, that, that people aren't expecting, someone who hasn't been a regular starter? Is, is, is there someone a bit more low-key that, that you would say is one to watch this season for Arsenal? Well, I mean, I can pick someone like Emmy Smith-Rowe, for example, that you mentioned yeah. earlier, coming back from a very frustrating season, did, doing well with the England under-21, of course, which was you know, huge for him. Not just the game time, but the performances, the goals, etc., etc. And, and being in a winning squad like that would be great for him. I just don't know how much... Is he going to play? I don't even know if he will be part of the squad at the start of the season. But it's someone like him I would like to see. A Fabio Vieira just stepping yeah. up a little bit when when they be, because otherwise the starting eleven we said okay maybe White or Timber, but the rest certainly at the start we know it. It will be Ramsdell and then Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, and then Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus. So of those eleven, we can't really pick someone and say yeah he's. They all they all stars and they all big players for them. But if if a if a if a twelfth man or a third or a thirteenth man, is that what we say thirteenth man, or the two can step up a little bit when called upon, like a Smith Rowe, like a like a Vieira, Balogunno and Ketia, whoever stays and whoever plays. Personally, I would like to see Balogun. I I watched all his games last season in Ligue 1 with Reims. He was outstanding, really, for his age, the maturity of his running. Um, the maturity of his first touches, always the good positioning. I really, really like him. Again, I, I, I don't know if he will still be part of the squad and how much he will play if he is. But there's someone like him, Vieira, Smith-Rowe, that also will be very important outside of that starting eleven that we mentioned. Also, actually, the two signings they made in January, they, they had an impact w- w- when they arrived, but you'd think they'd be better now, getting a full, proper Arteta-Arsenal pre-season. Jorginho and Trossard. Trossard, especially, mm-hmm. was very good when he came in last season. Yeah, Trossard especially. And for the, the fans who watched the friendly matches, for example, even if they were in the middle of the night, he scored two really good goals against Barcelona, played really well, played as an eight at times too. So I think he can also bring maybe a, a bit of a different option and a bit of versatility to Arteta. But yeah, Trossard could be mentioned in the same way as as the kind of super sub that we mentioned or maybe the players who won't be the starting eleven. But just, 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 just below, who will get a lot of game time and will have to make the most of it and bring a lot to the team. So, Trossard, it could be a really good season for him, even with the national team. Considering there's a lot of, it's a big transition for Belgium going into the Euros with a new head coach. He would have a big role to play for them as well. So he has to do well for Arsenal. Right. Let's have your predictions then, Julian. Where are Arsenal going to finish, and are they going to win any cups? So I think there will be a trophy this season, uh, for sure. I don't think it will be the Champions League. I think that's a bit early. Sorry, Arsenal fans. But I think there will be there will be a trophy. I think they will compete and will, they will be right up there in the title race in the Premier League up until the end. They could they could well win it. I think they've they've got enough experience from what happened last season and the season before. So the the fourth fifth place with Spurs, the first and second place with City, to have to have get that kind of experience with them. I think the momentum and the confidence of what they did last season would be a huge asset as well. So I expect them to do well in the domestic cups, to do well in the league, very well in the league, potentially winning it, of course. They will be I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do win the Premier League. The Champions League, I don't think I think might be a little bit early for this for this squad and for Arteta himself as a as a as a maiden season in the Premier League, really. So maybe that's a bit different, but I expect them to challenge for the Premier League and maybe win it, yeah. 
quite often a team will have something happen to them like what happened to Arsenal last season. And that's the that's the learning piece that they need to, to win the league. Quite often, if you if you are going for the title again, they'll be better for the experience that they've had last season, won't they? No, completely, yeah. And and again, we the disappointment of missing out on the top four the season before and that, that game that they lost at, at the, the, the Tottenham Stadium was huge. And the way they bounced back from it to go into last season, the one that just finished, to go and challenge City all the way for the top, finishing second, um, show, showed you that. And I think we will see this kind of same effect again for this season coming after missing out on the title narrowly last season to go up and, and be even better, be stronger, be better collectively, individually, the depth that we mentioned in the squad, having a go at the Champions League. I think all of that would be very important. And let's not forget, there, there won't be a World Cup in the middle uh, to disturb a little bit maybe some of the momentum, some of the fitness of some players. We saw that with Saliba going away with France, of course. So, you know, all of that I think would be very important. And, and it'd be a, a fascinating season, I think, from an Arsenal point of view. Final question from me, Julia. Do you think they're done in terms of incomings in the transfer market? I know they've got a heavy focus now on, on outgoings and, and trimming the fat of the squad, but do you think they're done in terms of incomings? I would think so, unless, like you said, a lot of players leave and you need you need to to replace them in a way. Let's say I don't know. Let's say Kieran Tierney leaves, for example, uh, and you think, okay, maybe even if Timber can play right back, left back, even if you know Kivio can also play left back. We saw him playing left back as uh, during the preseason friendlies. Maybe you want to get a proper left back in, but apart from that, I I think they they're pretty settled now. So, like we said, a really good squad with depth mm. with quality, quantity, with a lot of talent, a lot of personality, leadership. You've got a bit of everything. Even if it's still a young squad, because you've signed young players, Havertz is young, Rice is young, Timber is young. But I, I, I still think it's a very, very um, highly rated squad. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Julian, for joining me today to preview Arsenal season. It does look a little bit like we've taken Julian hostage, but we haven't. Sorry, just in, I just uh, realised. He's, he's, he's in Australia. He's, if I imagine he's very bright there, so he's had to show. Oh, he's put the light on now, right? right no, it's the, the night time for us. So oh, is it so nice? It's going down. Yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, okay. yeah, no. Sorry, I just realised too late that the light was off. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining me. Always an absolute joy and a pleasure to talk to you and some excellent information for Arsenal fans there. As I mentioned at the start, we will be doing six more of these shows. If you have enjoyed it, give the video a like and subscribe to the channel. Bit of a podcast revamp this season. We're changing how we do things when the season starts. We'll give you more information nearer the time, but looking forward to doing the whole season of preview shows on whoscored.com and Edge of the Box. Have a good rest of the day and as always, please stay safe. 